The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right. We're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows, which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today. Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show. We are back live on video for the first time in a million years. Bringing you guys all our immediate post-fight antics, feelings, amazement, disappointment. It's all there. It's all here. Man, so we're just coming to you guys straight from the end of UFC 287. Went down at the Miami-Dade Arena in Miami, Florida with me, your host, Saint Simon, my co-host, Eddie Mercado. I'm getting a little excited. I'm a little, I'm a little you know, ahead of myself here just because it's been too Damn. long, man. I almost forgot what you looked like. I know, you know, I know. I've been, I just been using the highlight reel that I've had. Yeah, <laughs> hold me close. Get the mental yeah, image. Yeah. Th- yeah. I, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to refresh. You know, I, I got to get you, get you back feeling it a little. Someone's gonna get fired for this. <laughs> you are putting us on video again? Oh, I know. I know. Man, what? So Where you come, uh, y'all? UFC what 287. This is the I know. Card to, to what a card to come back to. UFC 287 just wrapped up. Israel Adesanya is middleweight champion once again. And man, like, he got it. It's got to be props to Izzy because that is absolutely, you know, he slayed the dragon. This is, this is, a, this is the mountain that he had to climb. He has been rolling that stone up it so many times and has not been able to get that win. And he went out there and it looked like he was going to get shit kicked again. <laughs> it was not good. It was not good. And no. But, hey, I'll tell you this, though. He had the right energy going into fight yeah. week. The energy he had... You know, in, in the first MMA match, not it, right? He was – you could just tell something was off. But this oh, yeah. one, uh, it's it's almost like – it's like he got over that initial fear of being knocked out again. And he was like, okay, it happened. It wasn't that bad. Now, like, I, I, don't, I don't have to fear that anymore. Now I can just go and be aggressive and be me and do my thing. And, wow, perfect – what a perfect answer to that sort of blitz up against the cage. I mean, yeah. I mean, do, do you buy? Possum. Yeah, do you huh? buy that? Do you buy the no. possum? <laughs> yeah. That wasn't possum. That was he was in. A, he was getting his leg chewed up. He was forced to switch stances. He got caught with the barrage. He was backed up on the cage. He ate that nasty uh, body shot. He ate a knee, but he went to the point where. He was just going to do what he did at the end of the first MMA fight. Nah, he bit down on his mouthpiece and chucked the overhand right and caught yeah. caught Pereira clean his day. And then threw the same overhand right and then threw the left behind it. And they both connected flush. Poetan out on impact. 
super necessary academic hammer fist. I mean, talk about talk about revenge. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is that like he has had that moment, that exact moment in the last two fights that they had together. Like this has always been right there. It has always been right on the cusp of happening. Mm -hmm. So we knew it was possible, but it always, he he has to go through hell to do it. And it's hard. It was hard. So hard for me to imagine that like, you know, we talk about, man, he's, he, he had the right energy coming in. He'd been like, I've been knocked out. I know what to do. I know, you know, I have to fear it anymore. It's like, yeah, but, where would that why why wasn't that energy there the last time you've been knocked out before that by him like what would what would change coming in this time to be like man i got knocked out twice that really makes me feel like i don't have to worry about it now he had had nothing to lose whatsoever yeah going into this one he had everything to lose in that first that's true that is true he he was already king it was a big deal so i i mean i can't be more impressed like even the possum idea, sure, I get that 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 would be an impressive idea. That's fun if he wants to sell us that, whatever. But especially if it's not playing possum, that's just more impressive. Like you are really at the edge of getting absolutely shit kicked. And it was a three piece this time. That's what yeah. was different. If you watch, it was the right hand to the left staggered him. But this time it was the overhand right, and then another overhand right to left. That yeah, that's that was the missing the missing component to him getting the finish, and he pulled it off, man. Nothing yeah. but respect. Being able yeah. to come back like that with with the confidence that he had, that's that's some some serious mental toughness right there. We always Absolutely. knew, like you said, we knew he had the tools. We know he we knew he could, but he finally just found a way to seal the deal. Like, I need to yeah. see it again. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing now, right? Like, as far as the UFC is concerned, they're one and one. This whole, like, one and three business, any of that. This was Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira 2. That's all mm-hmm. the UFC cares about. So are we going to book this right, this right away again? I see somebody in our chat room is saying – Poetan versus Bobby. I mean, obviously, if you're Robert Whitaker, that is what you're saying because you know that you're, they're not going to throw you right back in against Israel Adesanya when you're zero and two against him. Uh, so if you're if you're Whitaker, you're out there going like, man, I think I need to fight, I need to fight Pereira before he can get another title shot, and if I can beat him, then I get that title shot. Yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. But if if you're Pereira, you want nothing else. You want nothing more than than uh, the the instant rematch or the the instant rubber, I guess I should say. Like there is no, there is nothing, nothing uh, to gain from from facing Bobby Knuckles for Alex. No, Pereira. yeah, yeah. If you're Alex Pereira, you say I beat this guy before. I became champ. I beat this guy many times before. One result doesn't change it. I got to go right back and you got to give me this one. You got to give me the chance to run this one right back. Right. And if you're the unless, UFC too. Unless hmm. of course, Alex decides fuck this weight cut. Like, yeah, is, yeah, I'm yeah. Dying doing this. Like I'm going to move up and go he, spark these fools. He has been saying he wants to go up to light heavyweight and uh, someday in the future. And, you know, Jamal Hill's already calling him out right there. I, they had I, the, they had a stare down right after the yeah. Bloomer fight in the cage. Yeah, and uh, I mean honestly too, like we were talking about this just in the like on the Viva section and other things like that too. People were saying like, oh, you know, everything above one eighty five should just be like one division basically. Like, but I had a, there are heavyweights that I would pick him to beat. You know, oh, absolutely. So if he wants to move up divisions, I'm going to be there to watch it. No question about it. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, that would be that would be the only other X factor. And if if he does move up, then you know you're looking at then Robert Whitaker. You know, yeah, maybe they throw him right back in there. Otherwise, you know, somebody like Drikas Duplessis or somebody like that is going to have to be looking at trying to make a charge to get in title contention, but. 
I don't, you know, I don't think the UFC is ready to make that move right now. No, it's 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 either Whitaker or Bust. Honestly, if Alex yeah. is moving up, I love Drickus. Don't get me wrong, but I think he needs at least one. Yeah, maybe two. Another one. And if you're the UFC too, you got to be looking at this too and just be saying like, you know, Rob, we love Robert Whitaker, but he's th- this is like this is the big fight for us. We I can say at least. In terms of bloody elbow, in terms of fan engagement, in terms of traffic, in terms of what's going on out there, this looked like a big event, you know? It felt like people a big were, event. Yeah, people were showing up for this. So you, if you're the UFC, I got to imagine they turn around and uh, do this, you know, do this one again. It's probably the way they're going to go. Yeah. Just for me. Personally, yeah. like it, it's a, it's kind of a no-brainer, honestly. Like you get, you get a finish in the first, you get a finish going the other way in the second. Of course, you do it a third time. Yeah. All right, let's take, let's get jump down here to the welterweight f- fight, our co-main event, Gilbert Burns, Jorge Masvidal, and uh, I mean, in some ways. I'll say Masvidal did a little better than I thought he would do here. Uh, I kind of thought he would get run over, and I thought Gilbert Burns won every round. But Masvidal didn't get, like, humiliated out there. It was a – especially early on, it was a pretty competitive fight. Once once Burns in the third round, he was losing, like, the first half of that third round. It's just like, what are you doing? And then he just started biting down and wailing on Masvidal. I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess you're doing that. See, and I was expecting Burns to do that from Bell Yeah, exactly. Work. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, like, for like me, Masvidal. too, but he was trying to not get booed in his home state. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you think that's it? He just didn't want to. Uh, I don't want to say he was carrying Masvidal, but it, <laughs> I definitely felt like any moment if Burns just stepped on the gas, he probably could have got a finish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it honestly... You know, like I say, it was a closer fight than I thought it would be. But even that said, it was still a fight where I thought Burns clearly won every round. Even the first yeah. round where it was just kind of like, he's not really doing that much. And Masvidal's kicking his legs a bunch. It still was like, okay, but if I really look at this and like, who's doing the act, landing the actual big strikes, who's making something really happen in this round, it's still Gilbert Burns. 100%. Uh, I, I love that Masvidal's calling it now, you know? Like, yeah. He had this career. Like, he had the longest career, and no one ever knew who he was outside of the nerds. And then, yeah. you know, the whole Nate Diaz thing happens. He gets the BML, BMF belt. He gets two cracks at a title. And he he it's, uh, it's one of the great rags-to-riches stories in MMA. Yeah, you know, I mean, you just can... Did course and, and it ultimately paid off for him so yeah you can argue with his results at the top of the division be like yeah and the biggest fights he had he didn't do that great whatever but as you say i mean this is a dude who just was soldiering for years and always seemed like he was gonna be like it seemed like losing to gilbert melendez for the strike force belt was gonna be the the biggest fight jorge masvidal ever had you know for a long time and for him to go out and get back-to-back title shots lose them both and still immediately get a top two top contender bouts out of losing them both and be like you know big prominent placement get a whole crowd cheering for him i mean he lost he retired he had this whole corny political speech after it and the crowd was still going nuts for him. Like, you know, the man, the man got famous out of all this. And I, you know, and when it comes to prize fighting, I'm never going to begrudge anybody getting that, getting money and, and making something out of this. And I, I like that, you know, he's, he's going out after losing to the best in the division. Like we don't have to see him, you know, he's got enough money, Right. To where he doesn't yeah. have to stick around longer than he needs to, to the point where he's getting cut or he's just losing to just low level talent that would have never lost to five years ago. 
so you know, and it's in front of his his home hometown. I think that's cool for him, and in front of his buddy Donald. Yours and his buddy Donald. <laughs> what? No, 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 no! Don't pin that on me. <laughs> don't pin that on me. I don't want that. I don't want. I don't need that. I don't need that. But uh, yeah, it was. You know, it it was it was the. If he's going to be fighting top contenders, this was honestly the best he was going to do. Is he didn't get knocked out, he didn't get hum- utterly humiliated. He got a crowd that was still there behind him at home, and uh, yeah, that's you know, for if you're going to be fighting top contenders past your prime, like that's as good a, a ride into the sunset as you're going to get, pretty much. Now, here's the real question. Yeah. How long before we see him in a boxing ring? Oh, like two days, honestly. <laughs> I mean, he's already right. doing game-bred boxing and all that. Mm-hmm. I got to imagine that it'll just be, you know, two months from now. We'll see you. Oh, yeah. he'll, be, he'll be boxing Darren Till in no time. <laughs> all right. That brings us to oh, yeah. Gilbert Burns. Of course, he called for the winner of... Uh, or for uh, Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. Um, you know, I mean, it, I think they've got, uh, have they, they've booked, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, damn it. Can't remember the name. Hamzat? Who? No, no, no. They, they booked uh, Muhammad, uh, Bilal Muhammad. I really literally could not remember the name. That's that's rough. That's oh, rough. Irony, irony at its finest. Yeah, no, no, no. I feel. I'm sorry, Bilal. I should be able to remember the name, but I mean, they booked Bilal Muhammad versus Shavkat. Uh, we've got you know looking at our 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 welterweight top rankings here. Chimaev, I think, going up to middleweight, but we still haven't got like a definitive next fight there for that. And uh, yeah, that's gonna like. So Bilal Shafkat, I mean, honestly, Burns might have a he's got a he's got a good argument there to to be next in line. UFC's shown no love for Muhammad yet, and I don't know that beating Shafkat Rachmanov will get him any. And if he and he might not, and if he doesn't, then Burns definitely has the argument of being the most notable notable contender out there. So. And how can you not love Burns? He made a good point. Like, he is that dude that will fight anybody at any time. Like, I, I, I hope. Yeah. I mean, he ju- he I jumped really in there and he, he fought Chimaev and, you know, went at a point when it made no sense at all. And made him look human. Yeah. Oh, someone in the comment section. How long before Masvidal runs for office? Ooh. Oh, God. City Council? I- <laughs> Is he gonna? Yeah, are we gonna get? <laughs> we gonna get another Huntington Beach story here? I don't know. Fighters that did not did not have largely the temperament for a political career. Is did BJ Penn win his race? Did he ever no. follow through with? <laughs> no, no, he did not. He did not come close. All right, bantamweight bout: Rob Font, Adrian Yanez. I admit. I was I was picking Giannis here. I was feeling the hype. I was like, man, Giannis, he's got the slick boxing. This is gonna be gonna be some back and forth. They're gonna trade in the pocket. I trust Giannis' hands to be a little sharper and they come out. I'm feeling good about that. Giannis is looking like he's countering well. He's looking like he's there, he's present, he's in the moment. And then they really sat down and started trading, and suddenly you could realize that like Rob Font just hits way harder. It doesn't matter if Giannis has the better hands. Nope. Uh, man, what's what's crazy is I was picking Giannis uh, a week and a half ago, picking Giannis. And yep. last weekend, I'm in Miami for the Karate Combat event, and Rob Font's there. And just listening to him talk, I'm like, what, what the fuck am I thinking? Like, Giannis has never beat anyone. He's never even faced anyone close to anyone Rob has faced. It's true. It's true. I was like, dude, he's going to get pantsed. And I'll be damned. Font showed yeah. up. He showed up. And it was looking grim, right? He was getting, he was wearing it on the face. Yeah. You know, he had, he had he, his eyes were getting face. busted up. 
you know, but but it, you could if you watch it, you can tell Font really wanted to get that single collar tie to yeah. throw that right that like the the widest hook I've ever seen in my life. Like it came from Cuba. Like that yeah. thing was insane. And the way Jan is like it was like a cartoon, the, like the way he flew across the octagon. It was insane, man. Yeah. Font. Like the man is the man is motivated. He is he's getting slept on. Like people are sleeping out for some reason. Like I mean, he, he we saw him up at the top of the mountain. We saw him climb all the way up there. And he was when he got up there, you know, he fought earlier on. He was like kind of he's a pretty good puncher. He's got, you know, some some solid, functional, very like fundamental kickboxing, does everything. And he gets all the way to the top and you're seeing him go out there, put that pace, trying to fight like the elite. And dudes were just walking through or eating it all and busting him up. And so it's hard having seen that to turn around and be like, oh, here's a new slick boxer with good hands. Rob Font is going to be able to just slam the door on this kid. Like, I thought personally, like, Font might win the first. Yanez has tended to start a little slow out there sometimes. Yanez might have a big second round where he, like, really finds his rhythm. Then he might fade late, and we might be talking like, oh, did Yanez do enough in one of those rounds? He got that second round, but did he do enough in either of the others? Font kind of scraping by, working volume. But, I mean, Font just reminded, like, against guys that aren't elite, he is a big puncher, and he is a tough dude. And he's never been knocked out. And you want to sit down there and trade with trade bombs with him, you know. People are going to think twice about that again. They weren't thinking, yeah. you know, I think that those Aldo and Verifites, they probably had Giannis thinking, you know what, I can do that too. And, well, maybe not. No, there's a reason Fon took this fight. Risky yeah. fight for him. He didn't have yeah. to take it, but he knew what he was doing. Giannis just he hasn't he hasn't been in there with just no, no. near the caliber of opposition, like nowhere near. It's so true. this is a hard you know hard lesson for Giannis. Not the end of the world for him, but just a hard but lesson. Yeah, it's especially hard too though for the kid because he has been at this a lot longer than you'd think. Like, Giannis is nine years into his career. That was another reason that I was willing to ride with him on this. was like, you know, he's paid his dues. He's got experience. He might not have the the biggest and the best experience, but he's he's right there in what should be his prime. And his first trip up to the top, you know, is just, it, you're right. There was a gulf, a, a, a real big gulf there between what he was used to and what Font could bring to him. And, like, Giannis sparked Tony Kelly, but he also got hit a lot in that fight. It was a short fight, but he was getting tagged up himself. It's true. And and Tony Kelly is is no Rob Font. No. Not not trying to do the MMA math, but. No. But, no, it's true. You you know what? You – you write – you had your fangirl moment at Karate Combat, and it it rang true for you. (laughs) Like I, you well, know. Alex Pereira was there too. So okay, so you, <laughs> you 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 it wasn't all magic, but the font the font the font pick wins that. All right, that brings us. Oh, and after the fight, you know, fonts calling for top guys again. I think honestly, I mean, I don't know. Unfortunately, like the very top of that division, you know, I he could get Peter Yan. I guess Yan's in kind of a, a rough place where he needs to take a step back. Um. But otherwise, you know, your Corey Sandhagens, your Marab Dvalishvili's, your your other guys up at the very elite, they are all in heavy pursuit of staying in contention. My guess would be that probably the fight that Font's going to end up getting would be somebody like Umar Nurmagomedov. So, <laughs> yeah. That sucks. Yeah. There's not that many maybe... places for him to go. He's no. going to rematch Tito? Yeah, exactly. And it, I mean, the other option might be if Song Yadong can beat Ricky Simone, then maybe he'd fight Song Yadong, something like that. But it'll probably be hard for him to get one of those real elite top five fights right now. Yeah, he's uh, fought a lot of guys. He has, yeah. That brings us to a welterweight bout. 
Kevin Holland, Santiago Ponzinibbio, and um, I don't know. I mean, it was a good fight. It was kind of a – it wasn't as good a fight as I would have hoped from Holland. He really got his leg chewed up bad. Um, It's kind of weird because it's like a, it's a fight where you know, Kevin Holland won every round and he knocked Santiago Ponzinibbio out. But like, if I'm his coaches, I'd be like, this is not, this is not your best fight, man. Like you got kicked a lot and Ponzinibbio was in this fight way longer than he should have been considering where he's at in his career and where you're at in your career and how, you know, when, when, when it really came down to it and Holland really finally bit down and just rushed forward and took the fight to, to Ponzinibbio, he put him away. You well, know? I think Holland was just being extra reserved because he was coming off of two losses. Yeah. Two finishes. Yeah. He got finished, you know, in back-to-back outings, the Hamzat thing. Absolutely no shame there. It, no, right? no. Like they made that fight the day of, um, but that Wonder Boy, that Wonder Boy fight, I feel like was a extra hard on Holland. Obviously, yeah. you know he broke his hand. Uh, he lost the gentleman's agreement to stand and bang. Yeah. Uh, if not for that, he maybe would have won because he had moments where you know he got the takedown. So I think I think he wanted to actually win more so than put on a show in this match, and yeah. that's rare for Holland. You know he won out there trash talking i think the thing he said was that it smelled weed in the arena uh, yeah right? <laughs> like he, he he wasn't he wasn't trash talking at all everything he no. said to santiago out there was jovial and really had nothing to do with with fight itself or you know it wasn't typical kevin holland i think he asked him if he was okay when when ponzi slipped on something you know yeah like santiago ponzi threw a kick and it looked like he actually like he planted his knee back and slipped a little and like may have actually hurt his knee a little. Like he grabbed at it briefly and yeah, Holland stopped to see if he was okay. And even after the fight, like he knocks Ponzinibbio out, doesn't, you know, lands one follow-up shot. And afterward he was like, I'm, you know, I didn't follow up more because, you know, I don't basically he just likes the guy too much. Yeah. So, that's wild. Like, yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Feel bad feel bad for Ponzinibbio though because he did get absolutely knocked out and came back so quick that he had no clue whatsoever like he's out there arguing with the ref like shaking his finger all that and then you show the like the replay up on the big screen and you are face planted not moving and that follow-up shot comes in it's like there's no like that woke you up that did not you know I'm just I'm just glad they didn't interview him (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. That was okay. the rest for disaster. But man, that leaping left hook, Holland covered so much distance with that thing. And that, that probably would have knocked out anybody. Mm-hmm. He didn't see it coming at all. He had no clue. And the way he like fell on all fours and still face planted. Ugh. Poor guy. Yeah. He is very likable. So I understand, you know, Holland not wanting to be an asshole. Yeah, sure. So at, he called out Jorge Masvidal after the bout, which obviously isn't going to happen now. Masvidal retired. But so what about like Jack Della Maddalena instead? Wow. I think. Because like Holland's not even ranked right now. So Holland isn't ranked, but he's such a fringe fighter. I think that's a that's a, a big step up for for Della Maddalena. Sure. But I think sure. that would be fireworks. That could be a be that could probably headline a, a fight night card, honestly. Yeah. It's either that or maybe somebody like Vicente Luque, but Luque's, you know, he's he's not on a his best form lately, so that shouldn't either matter. Way, yeah. Anybody who who isn't coming to shoot takedowns, yeah, Holland. That's that's who I want to see him fight. All right, just, all right. That let's let's jump down now. Well, the, him, and, him and and Stephen Thompson, same well, kind th- of trains. 
Yeah. I only want him fighting strikers here on out. No, definitely that. Definitely. I mean, there's a reason I would say Jack Della Maddalena and Vicente Luque, and I'm not saying like Michael Chiesa or anything like that. Right. I don't need that. I don't need <laughs> Neil Magny versus Kevin Holland. I have no desire for that at all. Right. RDA? <laughs> no. All right. That brings us to the... I mean, for old men, I think this is the cathartic fight, the, the cathartic moment of the card, right? For us old dudes... Raul Rosas oh. Jr., Christian Rodriguez, because Rosas Jr., no no discredit to him, fighters, you know, they're all going to be thinking this way. They, You need to have the confidence. You need to have the swagger. But Rosas is out there talking about how he can beat Aljamain Sterling, how nobody, he's going to be the youngest champ ever. Nobody's ready for him. And he's... 18 and you just want to be like man I am far too old to feel like this kid is just going out there and like he gets to he gets everything I'm too bitter I don't know what it is but seeing Christian Rodriguez just go out there and stuff his shot like I mean he got Rosas got the fight he wanted you know Rosas this has to be a bigger wake-up call for him because he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He went out there, he got takedowns, he got the back take, he got the arm around the neck, he got everything that he does in every fight to get a win. And Rodriguez just fought it out and beat him. And, you know, like... I was concerned for Rosas when I learned that Rodriguez missed weight. Yeah, because yeah. Rose is not going to stand with anybody. We know what he comes no. to do. So yeah. I was like, damn, Rose is going to just, he's going to try to come and grapple someone who's going to have a weight advantage over him. That sucks. You it's know only I mean? one pound, though. It's only one pound. Oh, stop it, Zane. Come don't, on. You go. Don't, we're on video, okay? <laughs> we're back on the video. Don't be that guy. I'm, one pound might as well be 20. <laughs> You're saying, he's, like you you're saying he's in there with Yol Romero now? I'm saying there's weight classes for a reason. I know, I know. Okay. Yeah, so I, I was a little concerned when I heard that. And just seeing how hard Rosa's went for that initial takedown, I was like, there's no way you're going you're gonna to blow your wad if you keep doing this. Yeah. No one, nobody, I don't care how old you are, unless you're like, you know, four years old, you're not pushing that kind of pace. <laughs> like, it's in, you can't do that. There's no. not, you ain't got enough hemoglobin in your blood. You're not carrying that kind of oxygen. It's not happening. Rose, this is definitely going to need a long nap after that one. He like you bet you can bet the moment he got out to out to the back of the octagon, he just like toddler passed out. His dad's like carrying him over his shoulder back into the hotel. Oh yeah, oh he probably had a warm bottle, just you know, <laughs> milk drunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, the kid's got a bright future. Hey, he he definitely needs to learn to strike because there there is also obviously a reason that he's pressing that hard to take people down, and we saw it once he got stuck on his feet. There's no connective tissue to his striking game. There's, you know, he he was dead tired. He's not getting takedowns, and like the first thing he tries is a spinning back kick that gets him countered really hard, and then a spinning back fist that gets him countered really hard, and then like. You know, a jump knee that gets him countered really hard. It's like, man, a jab and a low kick, just like some some basic fundamentals would help you a lot to handle and manage this kind of, you know, this kind of issue. And that that stuff's not there. But no. he's got all the time to learn. This is just going to have to be, I think this is probably, it was a, it was a rude wake-up call that was always going to be coming because there was no way with a game that limited that he was actually going to be the youngest UFC champion ever in a division like Bantamweight, you know? And you said it limited. He's got a very, I don't want to call him a one trick pony, but you know what he's coming to do. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is Christian Rodriguez a world beater. I don't fucking think so. No, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Like he should have finished Rosas. 
Like he should have finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. Rosas was dead tired. He was basically like begging to be choked. He was mm-hmm. begging to be put in that RNC. I mean, and, I'm and, saying, I, I'm just saying, man, nobody's getting an arm under that chin. Like, <laughs> I don't care how tired he is. Don't choke. Just arm bar the dude. You know, like you're not going to fit anything under that thing. He's not going to might might be. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. True, yeah. He, he, he might be able to arm triangle. Now that I think yeah. of it, but yeah, it was kind of a shit fight, honestly. No, it was. It was I, two guys that are that you know they're regional good, and they got rushed to the UFC. Uh, you know, I think Rodriguez did he come through contender series, or was he just part of the, like? Yeah, he did. He did. Okay, but he so, had he had a couple UFC fights already. Yeah, I know he had a couple. I just couldn't remember if he was part no, of the. No, he didn't. No, he, no, he no? did. He did. He did, and then he did he he took or... a fight. No, check it out. So he did, but then he didn't get. He didn't make the cut, so he took a fight regionally again, and okay. then they brought him in. So okay, yeah, because contender series. If you fight on contender series, even if you don't get signed anymore, like this whole like, oh, you know, was it good enough or wasn't it? You automatically go on the short list. So many people who just have fought on contender series have gotten signed to the UFC six months down the line. So right. I'm not surprised about that, but it, I mean, the contender series is what it's kind of bringing through is it's bringing through a lot of guys who, if you can have one shining moment, if you can impress somebody on one day, it doesn't really matter if you're ready or not. They, you know, you know, you're going to get in and you're going to get signed. And Rosas, they loved, they loved the kid. Cause he was, you know, he was coming to the UFC when he was like 17, just turning 18. and was, full of confidence like I'm going to be champion and fighting grown men and winning but how good were those grown men how good was his game how ready was he and you know it's, it's not that ready it makes me think of guys like Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz who were fighting around that age in the UFC or and like Vitor Belfort like and but yeah. just how complete they already were. And yeah, we're well, talking early two thousands, and they were so much more complete than a Rosas. Well, it's a different like, era too. I mean, being complete, how, meant, it's like it's regressive. Shouldn't it be the yeah. other way, right? Yeah, it's yeah. I, I feel you. I feel you. I think it's complete to a relative past. You know, like they were more complete at the time compared to their competition at the time, but competition nowadays is so much deeper that it's so much harder at that age to have any kind of complete game, you know, to look like you have any kind of complete game. But yeah, nonetheless, I, I mean, it's, it's, but it's even harder the old than heads, The whole old heads are sticking around because they have the take. I, yeah, it's, it's true. I think the big thing is that it's, it's harder than ever in MMA right now to not have a striking game. If you don't have hands, yeah. it is harder than ever to survive. You and, have to have everything, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, that brings us to our fight of the night. Winner, Kelvin Gastelum, Chris Curtis, middleweight bout, and man, Kelvin Gastelum should wish that he get lost like how many how many fights did he lose? He lost he lost five of his last six. He he should he should wish that he went on that kind of terrible streak like two years into his career and then had to get sidelined for a couple of years. Because all of that clearly lit a fire under him that has never been there before. You've never seen a round one Kelvin Gastelum like we saw tonight. One time, when he knocked out Michael Bisping. Oh, okay. It's the only other time he's come out like this. And when he came out against Izzy. He, that's he, the he, other first time. round against Izzy was not like this, though. It was not. But it was it's much the more. It's we want, though. It's, it's yes. light on his feet, attacking the legs, throwing, you know, hard one-twos, one-two-threes. That's the Kelvin. That's the Kelvin we all want. That's the yeah. Kelvin we've only had flashes of. So is this a new leaf? I I can't buy that yet. Sure, sure. Glad to as do fuck I got to time. see it. I was stoked. Yeah. I was like, okay, okay, Kelvin. Like, like you you could easily um well not get knocked out because I picked Kelvin because he's so freaking tough. I just didn't sure. think 
the the volume was going to be there for Curtis, and I didn't think he was going to knock him out. Uh, yeah. But man, just the way he showed up, he just seemed so youthful and so just full of life, and like he had a passion for it, he had passion behind him. Like he he wasn't he was in it the whole time. He was focused. It's I don't want to say it's a new Kelvin Gastelum, but this performance here, if if we could replicate this, I mean, he looked like a world beater out there. Yeah. I'm not even gonna lie. This was great because I mean, Curtis rallied. You know, you said, "Oh, I didn't think Chris would have the volume." I understand that. I didn't think Kelvin would have the volume to win, even if he didn't get knocked out. Frankly, either because Kelvin's no kind of volume puncher either. Usually. Curtis rallied back. He was right there. He won the second round of this fight. And, you know, he was right back in it. He was landing huge shots. He was looking slick on the counter. The he body was putting, work. Yeah. He was putting combinations together. It was great. And Kelvin came back in round three and dug deep and just kept the pressure on and kept taking the fight to him. And, yeah, I mean, for as durable as Kelvin Gastelum is, he's always been hard to tire. He's always had a gas tank. He's always been fast. He's always hit hard. If he can actually fight with fire and come out and be aggressive, I mean, the the dude can hang. He can be an elite fighter. That is why he's had so many chances, why he's been able to fail so many times at the top and keep right there in the thick of things. So what's wild is he was a betting underdog when the, when the odds first dropped and by fight night, he was the favorite. Yeah. So as a very rare odds flip that uh, doesn't involve, you know, fixed or nefarious activity of some sort, as far as we know. Yeah. I wouldn't assume it, but great fight for him. I mean, I got to say after this, I mean, do you try, so do you try, do you throw him back into something big? Uh, Sean Strickland's out there. We could do, you know, Kelvin Gastelum against Strickland. Uh, There's Drikas Duplessy is out there. They were supposed to fight once already. Yeah. And then there's still, he's coming off a loss, but there's still Nasuddin Imabov out there who, you know, that would be more of a, like, these guys, we both we need to see Kelvin Gastel improve something still, you know. So take this fight. But otherwise, what do you think? You thinking Strickland or you thinking Duplessis? I'm thinking Drickus, but there's other people I'd rather see Drickus fight. So well, like in Strickland, terms of Kelvin. Oh yeah, if you're Kelvin, you're aiming for that fight because it's yeah. it also feels like such a winnable fight because Kelvin's so hard to finish and he's got the gas tank. If you're Calvin Gasol, you got to think I can survive whatever Drikus Duplessis throws at me. And, right, exactly. And yeah. that's the thing is that's how that's how Drikus gets people. Yeah, <laughs> like he'll let you beat on him, and then he'll finish you. So, yeah. If you can't finish Kelvin, yeah, that's that's it. That's the fight to make. Whether All right. Drikus is up for that. Yeah. Is. All right, that brings us to a woman's strawweight bout: Luana Pinheiro, Michelle Watterson. And uh, not not robbery of the night. This fight was far too close to be a robbery. But I certainly scored it for Watterson. I thought I scored I scored it for Watterson first and third. Yeah, you know Same. she's the only one that did anything in the third. Yeah, I don't understand how you give Biniero the third. I I think the. You know, Watterson had to win that. But the problem was is that little flurry Pinheiro had at the end of round one yeah. where she buckled Watterson's leg. And I think Watterson, like, even a knee even dropped to the canvas in that. Maybe. I didn't see the and knee, but maybe. I think they showed it on the replay. Because in, in the real time, they the angle didn't really show Watterson at all, barely. But they showed it from the other side on a replay later. And you could see, like, her knee drop down for a second. So I could see, like, I thought Watterson, she knocked knocked Pinero over with a front kick to the face in that round. You know, she she landed some other big strikes. She landed that back elbow that stumbled Pinero in that round. Yeah. I thought she did enough to win it. 
But the argument is there. It's close enough that I'm not going to say it's a robbery or anything like that. I will say that for Pinheiro, this is still, this was a better showing than she's had before. She won her her past fights, but like an illegal up kick from Randa Marcos, that doesn't, that doesn't tell us anything. And beating Sam Hughes, like, yeah, Hughes has, has gotten a lot better since then and isn't bad, but she's nobody's idea of a contender or anything like that. So for Pinheiro to come out here and look pretty co- collected and look powerful, chew the hell out of uh, Watterson's leg with those low kicks, it's a better, that's a better showing for her than she's had before. Yeah, for at least two rounds. That yeah. third was abysmal. It know. was not a good third round. I don't know if she was just really – well, yeah, she was gas. I remember her huffing and puffing, taking some yeah. pretty big breaths. So definitely work on, but, uh, you know, she squeaked by this one. But it, what a name, right? Like, yeah. this is huge. This is the biggest one of her career. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's – you know, it's going to set her up for another ranked fight, and that's going to be somebody, you know, Tabitha Ricci. Honestly, I think – should you know maybe line her up to fight Tatiana Suarez? She might not be ready for it, but Suarez is dropping back down to the division and needs no, another test. You know she needs to establish herself back at one fifteen. So yeah, and you beat it. You beat a karate hottie. You're yeah. you're you're off to the races. Like yeah. anyone in their game. Yeah. So all right. That brings us to, you know, if if Raul Rosas Jr. was the cathartic moment of the night for us old dudes being like, ah, you young kids don't know anything, damn it. Joe Pfeiffer, Gerald Mearshart, that's that's the pain in my heart for, for us old men because GM3 just got sparked by Pfeiffer. And it's, I mean... It's, the thing with Mearshard is that he's had a ton of fights where you put him in there against a young prospect and he can totally sun some kid and show him what's up and hang out, get beat up for a round, rally back, and suddenly like hit a sweep in round three and he's choking you out and you're like, where the hell did this come from? What is this? How did this old man get here? You know? But the other side of that is he's been finished in the first round 11 times. And that's kind of my read them. If you got that one hitter quitter, yeah, and you're a prospect, you can maybe get through GM3. If you don't have that one hitter quitter, you might get tuned up and then submitted, yeah, by GM3. So, you know, had has it. that he's got that sauce, man. I mean, the big Crazy. thing is, I was gonna say, the big thing that I noticed going in, and it was very true with this knockout. Is Pfeiffer's body movement, his fluidity, his coordination from hand to hand, foot to foot, the way he twists through his strikes, he's just a really fluid puncher. So that when he actually gets his, he, when he when he lands a hook, when he's flowing through and like really connecting on a punch, a little clipping shot from him, it's going to hurt a ton because it is not an arm punch by any any sense of the word. You're oh, getting yeah. every that ounce of torque in that. Efficient at transferring yeah. his energy. He really is. And you can see, I mean, he clipped George, he clipped uh Mearshart, and Mearshart was done. Like he did not even try to get back up. Yeah, he was he was yeah. pretty hurt. The referee could have stepped in at any point. I mean, it was yeah. clear that Mearshart didn't want to be there anymore. Um, but he's like, you know, it's GM three. Like, yeah, he could take a beating yeah. and come back and or or maybe Joe's gonna jump himself into a triangle or something. So he gave GM three the chance GM three had earned, you know, with his reputation. And uh, this was just Pfeiffer's night, man. Yeah, yeah, good for him. It's gonna might jump him up the division into some deeper water, but you know, uh, maybe. I- I mean, he might jump him into it. Like, I'm thinking like Jun Yong Park or, you know, Joaquin Buckley seems like the obvious fight that we all That's would want to see. That is perfect. Know. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. 
that brings us to a woman's strawweight bout. Lupita Godinez, Cynthia Calvillo. I have no idea what the judge was on who gave two rounds of this to Cynthia Calvillo. I could see giving her the last one close, generously. I would be just as happy with 30-27 Godinez as 29-28. But two out of three rounds for the whole leaf blower Holly Holm routine thing where she was just throwing like 50, 70 strikes around and landing 15 of them. Come on. I gave Calvillo the second round based on empty volume. Oh, you ho. It's empty volume. It's something. It's something. No. Like it's something. Loopy didn't do anything. You're killing me. What was she? What she landed she the, the better strikes. She landed the better strikes. Name one, Name one of her combinations. Okay, a right hand. She landed exactly. at least one right hand. It was better no than... idea. Like, <laughs> there were no significant strikes landed in that round. What are you talking about, no, man? No, no. I'm not listening to this. I can't believe it. I'm betrayed. At least, hey, at least I, I cited empty volume. Okay, 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 fine. Anyway, I'm not even kidding. Like, I write down my little scorecard and I, I write a little reason next to the round and empty volume. Like, it's something. All right. Well, as disgusted as I am, I do not have a nearly enough care in my heart to, to keep talking about that fight. It was fine. It happened. It's good for Godinez well, you know for her to show that she can have a fight where she doesn't get takedowns and her striking doesn't just dissolve. Well, maybe it's a good it's a good time to bring up the fact that uh, Robbie Lawler versus uh, Roy McDonald too got put into the UFC Hall of Fame tonight. It's true, a much better fight, an insanely a fight yeah. so good that uh, the pandemic hit in 2020. Uh, June Williams and I did this tournament of 32 fights for the one fight to watch before the world ends. And this was the one that uh, won out. Bloody yeah. no commenters all, you know, voted on who they thought was gonna gonna win out, and we put different fights against each other. And Lawler, um, Rory too, ended up taking the cake. And here it is, getting into the Hall of Fame. So, hey, and I'm I'm happy for anything. You know, I'm happy for anything because it gets my man Robbie Lawler into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He deserves every bit of that. He would, I would argue. If Cowboy Cerrone deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, Robbie Lawler deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely he does. Just Absolutely. on his own merit. How could so. you not put Robbie Lawler in the Hall of Fame? That's yeah. criminal. And that's well, another thing. There needs to be like an overall MMA Hall of Fame. It ain't going to happen. Well, it, no. not not on a big scale, but you look at the body of work over his career. And in fact, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh yeah, no. Did uh, the, the the UFC or Endeavor? They still own Strike Force and all that, right? Like, oh yeah, still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Why would they not same company put them in the Hall of Fame? Former Strike Force champion. They're Built an Apache Palace. That'll be the the gift the UFC can give them for when they they welched on their we're going to give you guys an event thing when Disney stepped in and told them to to get the fuck out. <laughs> The Tachi Palace. Remember that place? Yeah. They still do Muay Thai fights there? Probably. Got to imagine. All right. Let's go down now to a catchweight 160-pound bout. Ignacio Bahamondes, Trey Ogden, and um, Bahamondes did what Zell Hoover should have done, which is actually just throw barely enough strikes to make sure that the fact that Trey Ogden wasn't going to throw any strikes lost him the fight yeah Ogden was at range <laughs> he had yeah. zero know-how to deal with that kind of range you know and but credit to Bahamondes like he was he was throwing long strikes staying on the outside mm-hmm. and and you know keeping Ogden exactly where he needed to be for him to hit him while Ogden was too far away to any to land any kind of offense of his own so this was like a clinic Biomonda is just styled on Ogden. He, yeah, a perfect fight for him, honestly. Yeah, he he talked about how he was going to remember it because it was such a great performance for him. I mean, 
Nobody else is going to remember that fight, but I'm glad that he got to have the moment. I mean, it was for him, you yeah. know, but it takes two to tango. And yeah. Ogden, Ogden, he just stayed he, at range and got picked apart. He's a very, we talked about this on the Vivi too. He's a very negative fighter. He's a very subtractive fighter. His whole thing is like staying way outside so that you can't get to him. And then he'll like peck at you with little strikes and stuff like that. So having somebody out there against him who had more range than him was just always going to be like, yeah. what are you going to do about that? You know? Uh, all right. That brings us to a featherweight bout. Steve Garcia, Shailan Nerdanbeke. And man, I'm, I'm thrilled for this because I love watching Steve Garcia win fights. He's one of those guys who he either gets absolutely wrecked in a way that makes him look terrible or he absolutely wrecks somebody in a way that makes him look like a complete badass and the most violent dude out there. So I'm always happy to see him win because when he wins, you're just like, dude, how, where the hell has Steve Garcia been? Like, how violent is that dude? And he wrecked Shia Lundertembeke. I don't think there if there's any anyone more surprising than Steve Garcia. Yeah. Like, just when I go, you know, I, it turns out I have no idea. Like, I think he's going to win, he loses. Yeah, I think he's yeah. going to lose, he wins. And like you said, it's always in spectacular fashion. Like the band knows how to lose and he knows how to win. Either way, it's a show. And like I just remember covering him in Bellator back in the day and, and he was just losing them fights. And and then I was shocked when I actually saw him get to the UFC. And here he is just catching bodies like left yeah, and that right. Left, that left hook to the body, the, the kick to the liver, followed by the hook to the liver. Just in the liver. Yeah. Awesome fight. Awesome performance from him. And then my moment of pride for the card, the I called it fight that I was super happy to call, which is Sam Hughes. Yo, Tom Bien. Yeah, yeah. Tom Bien. (laughs) Yeah. Sam Hughes beat Jacqueline Amarim. Amarim, you know, she was the top prospect, had a bunch of hype coming in, had the jujitsu pedigree and all that. And it's just like, you know, you looked at her record and it's like you've only won in round one against terrible competition. And Sam Hughes has been getting a lot better. Just consistently a tough, difficult, physical fighter to take out of her game. And Amarim, she got her chances in round one and she couldn't finish them and Hughes just took her apart from there. Yeah, it's the experience, you know. Yeah. Like I said, Hughes has been there. She's fought tough competition. She's been through some shit. Um, and they touched on this on the broadcast, but she is a tremendous athlete. She has yeah. cardio for days. And like you said, if you're a one-round fighter and you've never experienced, you know, going three hard rounds, let alone in the UFC against that kind of opposition under the bright lights. It's the big stage. You're the heavy favorite coming in. And this was a trap fight for her. Yeah, it really was. So she had, we, we, she was so Hughes. close to, so close to getting those rear naked chokes too. Yeah. The submission defense of Hughes was just on point. I mean, all credit in the world, Sam Hughes, she, gritted through some really bad positions. I don't know how. Yeah. Just real determination, smart hand fighting. She got through it and the gas was gone in rounds two and three. So uh, what an upset. Congrats, Zane, for calling calling this upset. Uh Thank it, feels, you. it always feels a little bit sweeter. It is, it is. Who's not supposed to win win and you call it. It's just yeah. Like, oh. ah! And you know why it happens just the way you think it is, you know. It's a thing of beauty. So let's go back to the top. Israel Adesanya, champion again. Style, last style bender once again has the belt. Terrible news for Robert Whitaker fans out there. All our Robert Whitaker fans are sad tonight. Great news for, uh, well, for nobody else in that division, really. Pereira was really the good news for the rest of that division because he was the champ nobody had fought before. He was the guy that, you know, your Marvin Vittori's, your your Paulo Costa's, your all, you know, all these guys were looking, you know, your uh, Jared Cannoneers, 
they're all like, ah, I haven't fought Alex Pereira. I can get that fight. But Adesanya, it's bad news for everybody. So Alex Pereira, they'll probably book him back in the in the title again as long as he's willing to stay in the division. And uh, yeah, otherwise, really fun night of fights. Honestly, just a lot of good action. Yeah. Some big upsets, some big finishes. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. And we're right. at retirement. Masvidal hung up the That's gloves. That's right. Yep. Jorge Masvidal hangs up the gloves. A hell of a career under his belt. You know, uh, I think it's the right time for him to go. But man, man put a lot. A lot into the octagon was a lot of fun to watch for a long time. So, you know, respect for that. And uh, on that note, we're going to sign off. You can find me on Twitter at the same time. You can find Eddie on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. Shout out to our Substack, Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack, where you can find bonus content. We're going to have a, a little bonus show that we're going to record right after this. So if you're if you're subscribed to our Substack, you'll get a little bonus show. If you're not, you won't. Sorry. And otherwise, you can find us day in day out over on BloodyElbow.com. And uh, of course, now that we're back on YouTube, give us a like. You know, Comments. help us out. Subscribe. Ask us yeah. questions. Talk shit. I don't care. That's right. Eddie doesn't care. I care deeply, so don't talk shit about me, but talk shit about Eddie. <laughs> he can take it. All right, everybody, on that note, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. The Bloody Elbow Podcast Network is moving. That's right, we're moving from SoundCloud and YouTube to Substack. It will still be available through your current iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher subscriptions, but the main home of the Bloody Elbow Podcast Network will now be on Substack. While most of our audio content will remain free, we'll be asking listeners to please get a paid subscription to support the shows which are now ad-free. Please give us your email and we'll send you notices and summaries of every new episode. Become a paid subscriber and get bonus segments only available to those who've pledged their support. Sign up at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com today.